very simple thought message today, but one that the Lord wants to talk to each and every person here about. Acts chapter 24, did I say 25? 24 and verse 22. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. And after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season. I will call for thee. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And I want to preach this morning on the inconvenience of being a Christian. The inconvenience of being a Christian. Dear Jesus, we love you today. Thank you for your goodness, mercy, blessings. For all you've done for us. Thank you for this service. For every person that's here. Thank you for your spirit that's here. I confess to you right now, Lord, before this company. That I can do nothing without you. Lord, I'm asking you to work here right now. Let the burden of the Lord rest upon me. Let the convicting power of the Spirit of God be in this place. Lord Jesus, set people free from the bondage in their mind that keeps them locked in some pattern of comfort and convenience and not give their lives to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Now we have had a good time this morning the best way to have a good time the spirit of god moving feeling the presence of god the joy of the lord and the power of his presence moving this place it's all wonderful and good this has been a rough week uh rough in that not that we we're about to fall but there's a lot of things happened this week that were difficult to take but the lord's helped us through all of them Amen. And I realize that you are not sitting, and I want you to realize that you're not sitting in a typical church. I don't think you've had a hard time figuring that out, but just in case you have, uh, I'm informing you of that. Okay? And you are not sitting in a church nor listening to a preacher that is willing to tickle your ear to pat you on the back, burp you, change your diaper, and send you on your way to, to live your way another week. 
I am not. I'm not willing to do that. The scripture doesn't allow for that, and I'm not going to do that. You may leave here not doing what I'm preaching, but you're not going to leave here thinking that I'm in agreement with it. Amen. And more importantly, you're not going to leave here thinking that the Lord is in agreement with it. I think uh, King Felix had a similar problem with most of us. Certainly no one is uh, refusing to look for joy. Uh, I like what Brother Cisco said. It really made an impact on me. He said, everybody in this world is looking for God even if they don't know it. They're looking for God. And then he proved it. He said, who in this world doesn't want to have peace? Who in this world doesn't want to have joy? Who in this world doesn't want to have happiness? Who in this world doesn't want to be loved? Who in this world doesn't want to feel forgiven? Who in this world doesn't want to be free from guilt? Who in this world doesn't want uh, a life that is uh, full of favor? Everybody I know of wants that. But what they don't realize is the only true source of all of that is Jesus Christ. He's the only source of any of that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now I need some uh, folks to pray with me. We had a long day yesterday. And you're tired, so am I. But uh, the kingdom of God is, has nothing to do with the condition of our flesh. And the needs of this service have nothing to do with whether or not it's convenient for you to be involved spiritually here. So therefore, if you will work with me and let the Lord work here, there's a lot of great things He'll do here today. Okay? But I can't do this by myself today. And I'm not going to try. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just want you to know something. You don't pay me to come do this while you watch You understand that? I am not your hired performer. We're in this thing together. Plain enough? Good. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> now back to the message. There's a lot of us just like Felix. We want all of these things. We feel them. We know they're right. But somehow we would like to comfortably fit them into our way of doing things. If we could have peace and joy and happiness and still do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it, live like we want to live. And let me tell you something. This building and no other building in all of Anne Arundel County would hold the people that would be here. It wouldn't happen. There's no place... The Naval Academy Stadium with a roof on it wouldn't hold all the people that would come. If you could have all of that, feel the presence of God, know God, have peace, no guilt, joy, happiness, all of that, and still do your thing. The place would be cram-packed. In fact, you wouldn't have been able to got here at 10 o'clock and got a seat. We'd have to turn you away. There wouldn't have been any room in the building. 
Amen. But Felix had this little problem. He felt all of this. He was convicted by all of this. But there was something in him that said, this is not a comfortable time. This is not a convenient time. This is not a time that it's easy for me to make this decision. You see my wife sitting here. And all of these people that work for me are standing around listening. And uh, I'm the one sitting on the throne judging you, the prisoner, Paul. And, you know, if we were equals, it might be a little bit easier for me to get agree with what you're saying. But right now, it's really not convenient for me to give in to what you're saying. I looked up the word convenient this morning. I'm pretty sure I had an idea what it meant, but I wanted to be able to say exactly it means something within easy reach. Or something that is comfortable to attain. No strain, no exertion, something that requires no exertion. Now, of course, we, we're sure that's what Christianity is all about. And Jesus agreed with that, right? He said something is convenient and comfortable as, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That sounds good, doesn't it? And the same one that said, Come, said, If any man's going to come, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. We are battling the convenient age. Everything needs to be push, push button within reach. People can't even get out of their chairs anymore to turn the channel. It's got to be a wireless remote control deal so they can sit here and not spill their beer while they churn, flip through the channels to see what's on. No strain, no pain, no fuss, no problem. It's all got to be easy. And then they want their God and their religion packaged just the same. We want to be able to go to church in our Sunday best and never sweat it down. And never get any wrinkles in our clothes and never mess up our hair. And never, you know, never get involved. Go away, Paul. Go away. Go away, preacher. What you say is not convenient. Click. Turn you off, preacher. I don't like that. I mean, you preach all this stuff about getting up early and praying. Convenient. That's convenient, right? We go to church three or four times a week. That's convenient. You, you're not busy I am, preacher. I can't possibly go to church three or four times a week. You know, I can, I, can, I can afford an hour or so on Sunday morning. And, you know, I don't know why you come here if you're just doing that. Because some other places, they'll hold it to one hour. The preacher preach, preaches 20 minutes. It takes me 20 minutes to even, even get, think about getting started. And it takes me more than that when I decide it's time to quit to get stopped. So I don't know what you're doing here. If you're looking for convenience... This is not the place to be. Huh. This is where Paul was coming from. 
Hey, Felix, there is righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Can you think of three any less popular subjects to preach to a potentate? Righteousness, when people in control of their lives think that they establish their own righteousness and it's good enough, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for everybody else. Temperance, that's not what people who have the right to decide what they want, when they want it, are thinking about. Control, moderation, and last but not least, who wants to talk about the fact that there is a judgment coming? Now, if you want to talk about faith and getting rich and pie in the sky and confess and claim and you got it and no, no sorrow, no suffering, no sacrifice, no involvement, no, nothing, hey, you can get you a crowd. They'll send you millions of dollars to preach that stuff on TV. But this gospel is inconvenient. And Christianity is inconvenient. Because you've got to give up the leading role and you've got to become the supporting actor. You've got to become the follower. You're not the decision maker. You don't decide where you're going or when you're going there. Your money ceases to be yours. It becomes God's. I didn't say the churches. I said God's. Your house belongs to Him. Your cars belong to Him. Your family belongs to Him. You belong to Him. I'm talking about Bible Christianity. I'm not talking about this stuff that's preached some places. I'm talking about Christianity that goes beyond simply a spare tire in your trunk, but a total change in the way you live. Praise God. I'm not trying to run anybody off. But somebody's got to shake you up. Somebody's got to stir your thinking. Come and go when you please. Do what you want to do when you want to do it. Follow every little fad and style and thing that comes along and then call yourself a Christian. Got my shotgun out today. Just scattering it all over the place. The Lord is challenging this church to do something. And I'm talking to the visitors sitting here too. Let me tell you something, friend. Do you know why you're sitting here today instead of someplace else? Not because you necessarily believe or agree with what we do or preach here, but because deep down inside of you there is a desire for something that's real. Deep down inside of you there is a desire for something that makes sense and a desire for something that works. And you're not sure what the answer to that is, but you're looking for it. I'm just wondering if you want reality bad enough that when you find it and find out it's inconvenient to your personal comfort if you're still going to want it. It's so inconvenient, your friends probably won't like it when you get involved in it. That's right. It's so inconvenient that your family will probably think you've gone off your rocker when you find it. Because comfort and fantasy go hand in hand. 
Because anybody that thinks they can live in this life with no strain and no pain is living in a fantasy world. And anybody that thinks that they can control their whole existence and, it, and they're going to sit on their little throne and everything is going to bend and bow to them all of their lives and, you know, and they're going to kiss the frog and he's going to become a prince and they're going to live happily ever after is living in a fantasy world. It's not like that. And Jesus Christ does not relate to a fantasy world because you don't have any needs in a fantasy world. He came to help us with our needs. And if you live in a fantasy world, you don't have any. That's why somehow you got to take hold of people nowadays and jerk them a little bit. Hey, this is the real world, friend. This is the you don't do that because you're mad at them. You do that because you love them. Hey, some you know, shake a little sense in them. You know, hey, wake up! Don't you realize that everything's not what you think it is? It's not really like what you you are wishing that it is. That it really is different than this. Go away, Paul. I'll, I'll call you. I will call you, he said, at a more convenient season. I. That's the problem right there. There is the whole problem in a nutshell. That's how big the problem is. It can be defined in one letter. I. There is the problem. Because I... And convenience go hand in hand. I haven't counted it out, but there's an I in the, somewhere in the middle of convenience. Yeah. I said there's an I somewhere in the middle of convenience. It's self-centeredness. It's selfishness. It's self-serving. It's egotistical. It's proud. My way. I will call you, Paul, at a more convenient season. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, it's time for you to come, boy. I got a problem for you to take care of. Now that you fixed the problem, go away, boy. I'll call you when I need you. Go away, boy. I'll call you when it's convenient. Go away. For now, I'm going to do my thing. Go my pl I'm talking to somebody here today. You've got to understand where I'm coming from. Some of y'all heard this Thursday night, so be it. Hear it again. I spent Wednesday, all day Wednesday in a hospital with a 19-year-old mother and a 20 or 21-year-old dad. How old is Rudy? 21. I stood in a hospital room with a couple expecting to take home their firstborn baby. And they've been told in the middle of the night, Wednesday morning, 3.30 in the morning, Wednesday morning, that their baby's dead. Let me tell you something, friend. That'll shatter your little convenient world. This world is real, friend. This world has pain in it. This world has problems in it. 
you may feel like it's okay for you right now, or at least you're trying to convince yourself it's okay for you right now. But let me tell you something, friend. It doesn't take but a moment of time to totally change your little neat package cellophane-wrapped world into a catastrophe. It doesn't take very long to take your whole deal and turn it upside down. It doesn't take very long. And I, I prayed with those folks, that the grandparents and that mother and dad, as she lay there having to go through labor pains because it was their opinion that it would do her best to let her go through the no, normal functions of delivery. And the questions and the problems and the difficulties of life. And, the, and all of the, the, the feelings flooding through their minds and their hearts and all of that. There was nothing convenient about it, Felix. Nothing. And let me tell you something, friend. It sure felt good to not be a back-patting, ear-tickling preacher. It sure felt good to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where I could call His name and He'd come. Where I could call His name and ask Him to come help some people and He'd come there with peace. And He'd come there with assurance. And He'd come there with comfort. It sure made a difference. I was so glad I wasn't living for God in convenience. Whew. I was so happy about that so happy about that and to stand in front of that that nice couple between them and I a box not much bigger than a oversized shoe box a little white casket about this long about that wide about that deep and at that point of the natural things, the thing that meant most to them and all the world was laying in that casket. And in a few minutes, we were going to put that in the ground and leave that there. Tell me now, where's your convenience at? Oh, preacher, it's never going to happen to me. Don't you sit there and lie to yourself. If it hadn't happened yet, it will one day. It may be sooner than you think. And let me tell you something, friend. It's a terrible thing to need God and not know how to find Him. It's a terrible thing to have put him off and put him off and put him off and put him off and then want to call on him and, it's, and it feel like you're praying inside a concrete bunker because your words bounce off the walls. And all the thoughts flood your mind of all the times that you would live for him, but you was afraid of what so-and-so would think. And you were afraid so-and-so would have given you up as a friend. And you were afraid that this wouldn't have worked out. And I couldn't do this anymore. And I wouldn't have enough time to watch my favorite programs anymore because that preacher's expecting me to be in church all the time. Times like that, friend, you wish you'd have been someplace that have taught you how to pray. And somebody that had taught you and preached to you about the love of God and the trust that you can have in Jesus Christ. It's at times like, like that that it sure does help to know there is a Savior who really does care. But you all, you sit here today and you got your little plastic front on that says, I got it together, man. Everything's going okay for me. But let me tell you about plastic fronts. They don't stand up very well in front of trains. 
or any other problems of life that come along. They just don't last very long in those situations. So why don't you just get rid of that fake mess now and find you something that's real and it counts. I realize this is an eloquence, but I'm talking to you. Oh, we don't need that religion mess. Why? Because you're going to go out on the street corner somewhere and buy your Coke? Oh, you people are off your rocker. At least we haven't fried our brain. At least we don't get drunk and go home and beat up on our families. You need something. At least we don't have to go around hopping from bed to bed trying to find a little thrill in life because our life is so dull and it's so empty. Or at least we're not work workaholics where we have to work all the time to stay busy because if we stop long enough we have to think. We can't stand what we're having to think about. Hey, friend, this life is real, and there's pain in it. And you better know you're a God that can help you with it when you need Him. And you better have your relationship with Him that counts. Go away, Paul. I'll call you in a convenient season. And yet the Scripture says, today is a day of salvation. Pay attention to me, please. If you look, everybody else looks. The scripture says, he said, today is the day of salvation. Now is accepted time. He says that he calls and we must answer. That no man could come unto him except he's drawing us. So don't sit there and say, when I'm ready. You don't come to God when you're ready. You come to God when he's ready. Because when you're ready, he may have already given up on it. Oh, preacher, I don't believe that. Thank you. Appreciate you saying that. It opens the scripture door for the next scripture. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Please don't mistake my attitude. I don't have any problem with you as a person. I just have a problem with the way you're thinking. Because you're deluded. You're absolutely deceived. Were you born in Disneyland or something? Is your favorite place Fantasyland? Or maybe you along with Peter Pan and the rest of those guys fly away to Never Never Land. Oh, preacher, I got my feet on the ground. Not if you don't have your face in this book. If you don't have your face in this book you, don't, book, you don't have your feet on the ground. You still haven't figured it out yet. The Lord said to Moses through Moses, Oh, speaking of his people, Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. I wish 
on Labor Day, I'd have had a tape recorder. I would have taped Dan Rather and brought him in here and played his, the tape of his commentary on Monday, Labor Day, and let him preach my message. He sounded like an old-fashioned hellfire and brimstone preacher that day. And the title of his commentary that day was, Death Takes No Holiday. Sound, boy, yeah, that'd preach, wouldn't it? I listened to him. I said, David was in the car with me. I said, David, listen to this guy. What a message. And he talked about the people in the house, 15 of them partying. Labor Day weekend, having a big time. He said, life is difficult enough. to Death is difficult enough to deal with when you're expecting it. When you're getting older or you're sick and you know you're terminally ill, it's difficult to deal with. But life is a, a death is a lot more difficult to deal with when it's totally unexpected. When it rains on you from the sky, he said. I thought, my God, I hope this nation's listening to that. Something needs to happen to us. We, we're so addicted to the TV, we believe that mess. We can't believe the Bible, but we, we actually believe the cartoon shows. That every car driving down the road can transform into a robot that flies and shoot laser guns. It is the truth. And with Dynasty and Dallas and all that stuff, that's really living, friend. Right? And if you wear one of those sloppy white coats and a, and a T-shirt underneath and drive a neat car and slink around, man, you okay. Push the sleeves of your coat up halfway. That's with it. If you got one on, I haven't seen it, so, so be it. I'm not picking on you. Just don't wear it back here again, okay? Because we don't have any vice here except we love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we don't need your coat. It's the truth. That's where we're living, folks. I'm not, I, please understand me. I'm not, up, I'm not trying to entertain you. Neither am I trying just to be sarcastic. Somebody's got to penetrate that little shell you've built up. Somebody's got to penetrate that little feeling of self-assuredness that I am an American and somehow we're always going to work it out. That if there's a war, it's going to be in Asia. Or it's going to be in the Middle East. Or it's going to be in Europe. But not in America, friend. We are safe. You know what the Scripture says? Take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. This country is sick. It's sick. And you know why it's sick? Because it's addicted to fantasy. Oh, preacher, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. When you think that you can live in convenience and that everything is going to happen convenient for you and that there's not going to be any pain or sorrow or tragedy and that you don't need God, you are living in a fantasy world whether you watch cartoons or read the funny papers or not. Mark 10, 17 says, 
And when he was going forth into the way, there was one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one. That's God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I kept, have I observed from my youth. Is that all? I got it knocked. I got it made. I'm a moral person. I'm a good person, preacher. Who? I'll repeat that again. I'm a good person, preacher. What you so disturbed about? I'm a good person. Everybody knows bad things happen to bad people, good things happen to good people. What's so upset about, preacher? Sinners need God, I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person. Everything fits neat and nice. All of my square holes have square, square pegs in them. All my round holes have round holes. Round pegs in them. All my triangular holes have triangular pegs in them. I got everything together, preacher. I got it all worked out. Everything's fit and neat. I got it down. I've kept all these commandments from my youth up, Jesus. I'm okay, right? Everything's all right, right? Listen now, then you'll know why I'm preaching this. Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Loved him. I'm preaching this because I love you. Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Everybody say, loved him. Say, Jesus loved him. And because Jesus loved him, this is what he said to him. One thing thou lackest. This is the way we believe it. If we love somebody, we show we love them by being dishonest with them. Right? That's the way flesh does it. Well, if you really love somebody, don't hurt their feelings. So lie to them. But when Jesus loves somebody, he tells them the truth. Because he would rather them hurt a little bit over the truth than a lot because no one ever told them the truth. So he loved him. And he said, one thing thou lackest. Wait a minute. One thing thou lackest. Wait a minute, Lord. Do you mean if I've got everything and I'm only lacking one thing, that, that that's not forgiven, that's not ignored. Uh-uh. There are some things in this life that are so important that no matter how much you've got together, good. If you're lacking those things, they are so essential that all by themselves they totally negate the value of everything you do have. The man kept the commandments. Jesus didn't refute that. But he said, you're lacking one thing. And the implication was, this one thing you're lacking 
Absolutely. Without it, everything else is worthless. Without it, everything else is of no value. Without it. And he said to him, Thou hast, sell what, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was, the man was sad. He was sad at that saying and went away. I don't feel anybody praying. He was sad at that saying and went away grieved. For he had great possessions. What Jesus asked him to do threatened his comfort. What Jesus asked him to do threatened his inconvenience. He wanted eternal life, but he wasn't asking to follow Jesus. I wonder how many of you here today, believer, oh yeah, you believe in Jesus? Yes, sir, I believe in Jesus. Next question. Do you follow Jesus? Hey, let's go down to the harbor in Annapolis this afternoon. Or maybe later on the evening after, this evening after church after they've had all day to drink. Let's go from bar to bar. Let's talk to every south person we can find. Let's ask them. Take a poll. You believe in Jesus? I guarantee you 80% or more say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. See, there's no difference between them and you. If all you do is believe in Jesus. No difference. No difference. Well, what's the difference, preacher? The only thing that makes a difference is, are you following Him? Because you see, following Him is inconvenient. One man, Jesus said, come follow me. He said, Lord, I'll be right there. Let me go uh, tell my folks bye. Let me go bury my father. Let me, let me go. Look, I'll be right there, but let me do what I want to do first. And when I take care of what I want to do, then I'll come. I'll be right there when I get around to it. I'll be right there when it fits in my schedule. I'll be right there when I've sown all of my wild oats and I decide I'm, I'm ready to settle down. I'll be right there when it's convenient. But you know something? The convenient people don't ever show up. Those who are looking for convenience don't ever show up. Those that are looking for reality always do. You know... I've been a Christian a long time. Sometimes it's, I stand up here and, and I forget how 
people that really aren't followers of Jesus Christ think. And I realize that this world has brainwashed them into thinking. And that the, the God of this world has, has blinded their minds so they can't think straight. And they think that religion, you can't, it, you know, religions like alcohol. You, you shouldn't have too much of it. You know what I mean? This world, uh, there's some of you sitting here right here that think just like that. Preacher, I don't want to go overboard. Where in the world did you ever get the idea that you could be a follower of Jesus dipping your toe in the water and say you're an Olympic swimmer? How can you call yourself an Olympic swimmer and all you've ever done is got you, get your toe wet? Where in the world did anybody ever give you that idea? What foolishness that is. It's like the modern concept of marriage. There's no bedroom door. It's a revolving door. Come and go as you please. We're not married. We're just dating. But we got a contract. We don't want to get around to it. And that's the way this world feels about religion. Well, I don't know if I totally agree, disagree, disagree with that about religion. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, friend, it's not like that. The script, Scripture says you're not a Christian unless you're part of the church. And you're not a part of the church unless you're part of the bride. And you're not a part of the bride unless you're willing to marry Him. And let me tell you something, friend. Any woman that marry a guy and all the commitment he gives her is just squishing his toe in the waters of matrimony is a fool. She's an absolute fool. I'm going to, I say I do. I do stick my toe in. The rest of them is mine. I'll do what I want to do with it. She's a fool. I don't care what this world says about that. She, if, if she ever said, I stopped thinking what what, about what she's doing, she'd realize she's an absolute fool. She's got all the liabilities and none of the advantages of being married. None. I'm going to say this again. You're not a Christian unless you're in the church. You're not in the church unless you're a part of the bride. And you're not a part of the bride, which is the church, unless you're willing to marry Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, friend. When you get married, according to this book, it's not like this world, does it? It's not like this world, does it? There is a lifetime commitment involved in that. And let me tell you something. A lady sitting on that organ today, I tell you what, I could sit up here. Some lady could come by and say, hey, Chester, why don't we go get something to eat? And I could say, well, uh, I am kind of hungry. 
Uh, Alice, I'll, I'll see you after a while. I'll be back, be back after a while. And you know what? She's more than likely going to get upset. And I can turn around and look at her and say, What's wrong with you? What are you upset about? It's no sin in eating. And she'll go, You see this? You gave that to me. It's not pretty nice, isn't it? Yeah, but when you gave that to me, you promised me that you'd reserve yourself for me only so long as, you, as we lived. You told me you gave yourself to me. Oh, I didn't really mean it. I just need somebody to wash my clothes, cook my meals. Just got tired of sleeping in an empty bed. I didn't mean it. I just need somebody to help me when I'm in trouble. I just need someone to take, take away my guilt, Jesus. I didn't mean it. I'm not interested in really giving you myself. You don't really think I meant, Lord, when I said I was going to be one of yours that I was going to be a believer, that I really meant, Lord, that all of me would belong to you? You don't really believe I meant that, do you? Why? Didn't you read the fine print, the contract, Jesus? It said, any time that it's not convenient, I reserve the right to do what I want to do. Come on, I'm trying to get you to think. Some of you still resisted me. <sighs> Preacher, why don't you shut up so I can get out of here? I don't like this mess. Hey, I want to tell you something, friend. You may not, but it's the truth anyway. Luke 14, verse 15. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say unto them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said, it's not convenient for me to come right now. I bought a piece of ground and I must need to go and see it. I pray that you have me excused. Another said, it's not convenient for me to come right now. I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray that you have me excused. And another said, it's really not convenient me. I, for me, I just got married. I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed these things unto his Lord. He went and told his Lord what the people said. Then the master of the house said, that's okay. It's all right. It's no problem. It's no big deal. When they get around to it, I'm sure they'll show up. Is that what the Bible says? 
Somebody stand up and read to me what verse, nine, uh, verse 21 says. Read it loud. Be what? That's in your Bible? It's in mine too. I, I just want to make sure I didn't make a mistake. That's really in your Bible. Is that in anybody else's Bible? Thank you, sister. Hey, if you've got a Bible at home, go check it out. That's probably in your Bible too. That when the servant came and said to the Lord, Lord, what convenient for them to come. The scripture says he was angry. The master of the house was angry. Angry. And this is what he said. Being angry, said to a servant, Go out quickly in the streets and lanes of the city and bring it hither the poor and the maimed, the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. I'm going to tell you something, friend. You listen to me. Very specifically. Very specifically. I didn't write that. You hear me? I didn't write that. Now you can put your warped, deceived brain that's addicted to convenience into that verse and interpret it any way you want to, but it's really hard to change it from what it says. It says that convenience, inconvenience is no excuse. Do you know something? I've got a revelation for you. The Lord designed this thing to be inconvenient as a test of your sincerity. He intended for it to be inconvenient. He tells us in advance it's inconvenient. I'm going to tell you something, friend. We've been getting up early and several folks have been coming down here and meeting me every morning at 6 o'clock to pray. When that alarm goes off, 5.30, quarter to 6 sometimes. And I didn't get in bed till 12 or 1. Whew. It would be such an easy thing to lay there until I didn't absolutely didn't have to get up. And to get out of bed and stumble over the chair that was left out in the middle of the bathroom and in the dark, because I didn't want to turn on the light and wake up the one that left the chair out. You think I'm kidding about five times the last three weeks. And go over and stumble in the clothes that I left everything in the pockets and the belt on so I didn't have to worry about trying to make sure I had everything in there when I got put them on that early in the morning. And put on my clothes and punch out the alarm and stumble down the stairs and run into the car in the dark because I, I didn't want to ruin my eyes and turn on the light at that time. And drive over here and walk in here 
and say, what in the world are you doing here? Boy, this is not convenient. There's got to be an easier time to try to pray than this. And that little voice inside says, and you're tired? And you'll probably either sleep through this anyway, or if you do, it's not going to be very good because you're so tired. So why don't you just go back home and come back over and pray when it's convenient? You mean, you hear that voice, preacher? Are you kidding? Friend, this is real, live, genuine human flesh right here. That's the real stuff. With every bit of problem you've got. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I usually start my prayer this way. Lord, here I am. You said if I would seek you early, I'd find you. And I'm here like you said. Here I am. He said if you seek me early, you'll find me. The word early means before the dawn. If he intended this thing to be convenient, he'd have said, if you seek me in the afternoon during your uh, break, you seek me in the evening after you've had supper and you have a few minutes to relax. If you seek me when you get around to it, it'll be all right. How about Luke 17? It says this. Verse 5. The apostle said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, be thou planted in the sea, and it, sh- and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, By and by, when he has come in from the field, go and sit down to meat. And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not, or that's old English for I don't think so. So likewise ye, when ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. Did you hear that? The Lord likens us to a servant that's been out plowing all day or feeding cattle in the field and we come in tired we've been working all day we've been up since early and uh and and it's been hard heavy work i don't know if you've ever walked behind oxen and plowed but my dad was raised on a farm till he was 17 till he joined the navy and he plowed many times with horses or mules and did that all day long and those of you that are done it or know somebody that has done it will tell you this that is extremely strenuous work and and you're going to come in from the field after all that kind of work and you're tired and you're hungry and the boss says well I see how tired and you are why don't you go get yourself something to eat and when you get around to it you can come back and uh, you can fix something for me oh no he says you say come fix me something to eat and after I've eaten and drunk then you can Feed yourself. You say, preacher, preacher, I thought God was a good God. I thought he loved us. That seems so cruel. Okay, every one of you hypocritical husbands at wives work, you expect them to come home and, eat and, and cook dinner? Tell me about how cruel and unusual the punishment is. 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's one thing when we're the one that's hungry. It's another thing when it's the Lord telling us to do it. Absolutely. Come in, get the paper out, read the comics, the sports page, prop up, say, when's dinner ready? Kids say, when's dinner ready? We're hungry. Well, I just got home. So? Isn't it amazing how inconsistent we are? That is totally normal if it's us. But if the Lord is expecting something that inconvenient of us, we want to cry foul, unfair. Let's get signs and pick it, God. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. There are people in this building God sent here today to hear this message. You don't really know Him like you need to. And this is the most uninviting message you've ever heard. Good. Because the only way you would come to become a follower is if you really mean business. Joy, peace, happiness, you better believe it, friend. The world's got nothing to compare with it. Freedom from guilt, forgiveness of sins, friend. Nothing like it in all of this world. But the other side of it is, there's nothing about it that's convenient. He is not happy with your pittance of offering of your two hours on Sunday morning where you do your thing the rest of the week. He's not happy with that. You may claim to be a believer, but he's looking for followers. It's followers he's looking for. And you see, you're going to follow somebody. You're either going to follow Jesus are you going to follow this world? But you're going to follow somebody. And I will admit to you, the world will promise you convenience. And the Lord's totally up front and says, if you follow me, it's not going to be convenient. But let me tell you something, friend. He only gives his good things to those who love him enough to make the commitment to follow Him according to His will and His word. It's the only way. No other way. No other way. I said no other way. The door back there is not locked. The ushers are not standing there to keep you in. You're free to go. Like the rich young ruler. You may walk away sorrowfully because you are looking for something better. But walk away is still the same. Whether you go out glad, mad, or sad. It doesn't make any difference 
If the reason you're walking away is it's just not convenient. I sit down to meals that my wife fixes for me because she loves me. They're not convenient. I wear clothes that she washes and irons for me. That she often does when she's tired. She does it because she loves me, not because it's convenient. Boy, it sure feels good when you're tired to climb into a bed with clean sheets. And it's like that because, not because it's convenient, but because she loves me. And in the midst of all of that, she still has time to be kind to me and treat me well. But there's nothing convenient about being a wife. Nothing. And I'm inviting you to become a part of the bride. The older I get, the smarter I get. The more I realize that naturally speaking, I couldn't live without her. She's often said to me, Well, if you die, I'll never, I could never marry again. I said, Let me tell you something right now. If you die, I'm going to be married in three months. And if you don't like that, don't die. Reverse psychology, you see? Reverse psychology. Absolutely. I could make it. I wouldn't be able to do the things I do without her. And you know what? It didn't bother me to spend my last dime on this lady. There's no way I could buy her enough clothes. I'd buy her everyone I could afford to buy her. You could call it extravagance. I call it, I want to do everything I can to make her happy. Because she gives of herself to me. That's exactly the way Jesus feels about those who are willing to make the decision and go through the inconvenience, according to this world, of being a part of his bride. Oh, yes, it costs something to be a bride. But when your husband loves you and appreciates you, there's no limit to what he'll do for you. But you don't get one without the other. Their head is bowed, their eyes closed. Please. I'll tell you why people don't like to close their eyes when I ask them to, because there's nothing to look at then, so you have you're forced to think. That's the idea. I want you to think. Think. I want you to start thinking for yourself for a change, instead of listening to the trash in this world. I want you to think about the fact that this life really is not a fan fantasy world it really is real and you're never too old or too young to find a savior and let me tell you something friend if you're drowning in the middle of a lake and you need someone to save you you're not going to dictate the means by which they do it and you're not going to tell them look it's not convenient for me to reach that life ring or that rope you're not going to tell them that you're going to say hey 
Hey, save me any way you can save me, but save me. If you're here today and you need a Savior, there's one here. His name is Jesus. If you've got sin in your life, He'll forgive you of your sins. We'll baptize you in Jesus' name in water and wash away those sins according to the Scripture. He'll fill you with His Spirit, with joy and peace and righteousness that comes by the Spirit. You'll leave this place knowing you're a part of Him and He's a part of you. No, I'm not promising you that if you become a Christian, there's no more problems or difficulties in life. But I am saying this. There will be meaning to life. There will be reality. And you can face that reality with His help. Because He cares. He's there to help you. What a beautiful thing I saw Jesus do this week. A lot of people's babies die. But not everyone whose babies die. Find the comfort and strength that these folks found this week. It's so great to have a God to help you when this world finally breaks through with reality right in the middle of fantasy. You're welcome to get out of your seat. Come to this altar. Let us pray with you today. The Lord will help you today, right now. For I have decided Right now. I want to follow name. Jesus. Pray, church. Pray, church. No turning back. Hallelujah. No turning back. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, I have decided. We're waiting on you. The Lord's waiting I on you. For He's I waiting on you today. Decided I want to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I have decided. Praise God. I want to follow Thank Jesus. the Lord for these that are coming. There's others that need to come here right now. Come on, let the Lord do something in your life today. Let Him do something in your life today. Hallelujah. And though none go with me, I still will follow. The Lord's waiting on you today. Go with me. He's waiting on you. I still want to follow. Hallelujah. No turning back. Hallelujah. No turning back. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I have decided. Come on, 
on, church, pray. There's a move of the Holy Ghost happening right here, right now. You'll tune into it. You'll feel it. The Lord's doing something here right now. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No Hallelujah. Back. Hallelujah. No Hallelujah. Back. Hallelujah. Come on, church, pray. There's some people under conviction here right now. We can't reach them, but the Lord can if you'll let him. Jesus, Jesus name if you'll believe him oh, I have decided hallelujah I want to follow Jesus hallelujah oh I have in the name of decided. Jesus in the name of Jesus I'm gonna in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ we believe There's you right no now Lord we believe you right now, Jesus. We believe you right now, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 There's some folks sitting here today that's supposed to be living for God that's not that need to come do some repenting and get right with God today. You know who you are. You've been living according to your own convenience. It's time you begin to live for the Lord according to His will, following Him. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name,